You know you've got to sing along. Don't you know something? This is the Cabinets HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Cabinets. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startups, and HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinets HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinets HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is David Bradford. David, are you ready to be great today? Yes, great. David Bradford is a proven business leader with over 35 years of experience in the computer industry. He has been fortunate to run not one, but two of America's 50 fastest growing tech companies. Today, David is the CEO of Fluent Worlds, which is revolutionizing language training in 3D virtual worlds. He and his wife of 45 years, Dr. Belinda Bradford, are using video gaming technologies for the purpose of actually learning something. Imagine a classroom or training environment where instead of having video games interfering with, with classroom instruction, video, video game technology is at the core of your instrumental paradigm. In 2019, David was given the Utah Genius Award for his life's work in technology of the Utah Genius Group. In 2018, Brigham Young University gave Mr. Bradford the Distinguished Emeritus Alumnus Award. In 2017, David was honored with only the second ever Lifetime Achievement Award by Utah Business Magazine. David has previously served as CEO and chairman of two remarkable companies, Fusion slash IO and HireVue. Fusion slash IO went public and eventually achieved a $3.6 billion valuation. While there, David recruited and hired the iconic Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, as a company's chief scientist and business week named him the company's most innovative. David, so you've had a company's career, and most would say we've been very successful. There's many entrepreneurs starting out right now who want get, wants to get to your level. What would you tell these brand new entrepreneurs? Great question, Jason. Um, I, I have a favorite saying I use often, which is, the world needs dreamers and the world needs doers. But most of all, the world needs dreamers that do. And so the, the message that I like to send to everybody is get started today. Quit dreaming about it. It's fine. Have the dream. But unless you do something about it, you're never going to accomplish anything. And I, you're a good example, Jason. You had a dream. You wanted to start a podcast. You went out and actually did something. You bought the headsets. You probably formed an LLC. You probably uh, got uh, started into your email and, and connected with people on LinkedIn and Facebook and et cetera, et cetera. You became iconic in your field in that podcasting world. And so congratulations, you actually did something. So that's what I would say. Uh, do. Act. David, that's like advice I like to just get started. So many people talk about doing stuff, talk, talk, and they never get started. And it's not easy to get started, but, you know, it's never the perfect time, right? If the, the stars never align perfectly. You never have enough money. You never have what you, the products you need or the, or the equipment just get started. So, David, why do some people, like you talk about doers and dreamers, 
why is it so hard for people to do both? Why do some people just dream and dream and some people just do but not dream? Why is that such a hard combination? You know, that's one of the blessings of being married to my wife, Dr. Linda Bradford. She has a PhD in instructional technology. And she had this dream of creating a language learning company and do it in a video game. We saw we have 17 grandkids. And so we saw many of them just immersed in video games. And Linda said, those kids need to be doing something other than just having their heads in video games and shooting and killing people. Let's do something about it. And so I actually went and did something about it. We formed a corporation. And so, you know, together we've got this yin and yang thing going. She dreams and I do. And I, I'm quick to make and execute decisions. And I think that's some of the magic. In fact, I was listening to a radio show this morning that said people that make gut decisions actually have a better rate of success than those who analyze things in depth, a better rate of success. And they further said this about a gut um, reaction to something. They says your gut has more surface area and nerve area than essentially any other part of your body. And so when they say people make a gut reaction, they actually do. There are sensations that occur in the gut that allow them to go ahead and make decisions. Anyway, so that's a little bit about Linda and me and, and why, uh, you know, we've got a nice combination going. So, David, the new generation, you know, millennials, generals, generations, they're all in our tech, right? They pretty much just integrate in their lives. It's all in. Why do like some of the older generations like either don't understand that or like think it's a bad thing? Well, listen, um, any technology I point out in my book, I pointed out that, you know, whatever technology is out there, it can be used for good or for evil. And so we've chosen in our life to take those forms of technology and use them for good. You know, there, there are people that are all super, you know, worried about social media and how people get immersed in that. And yes, there is an issue there, but it can also be used for good. I mean, I've connected to 30,000 people on LinkedIn and I use that in a business context every day to build relationships. I was just sending emails uh, from Starbucks before I came and met with you, Jason, to a series of people with whom I've recently connected on LinkedIn because I'm looking for a great social impact investor. LinkedIn gives me the ability to go in, refine my search, and find social impact investors and connect with them and then send them email and we start a dialogue. Um, so, yes. Social media, good, bad, evil, you know, black and white, you can use it for light and to create good things. And so people in the older generation just need to understand that. Yeah, it's not like whenever new tech comes around, you know, you know people are told, like we used like yesterday, right? If you think about it, when typewriters first came out, that was a that was kind of tech, right? You know, I'm sure yeah. people were against typewriters, you know? <laughs> and it was fine until you had to correct a mistake in your typewriter. And then they invented that white tape that you could put over. And so you could eliminate your mistakes. That was pretty cool. I remember that innovation. Yeah, I remember those days too. Yeah. 
And uh, talk a little about, about LinkedIn, because I don't think a lot of people use LinkedIn as a full potential. Like some people LinkedIn is just for, for jobs, but the potential LinkedIn is, I don't think even like maybe 10% tapped right now. Absolutely. LinkedIn is powerful uh, and it's in for the long term. And it's an amazing tool uh, if you learn how to use it. And, and to your point, Jason, many people wait to use LinkedIn until they need a job. Folks, the time to start using LinkedIn is today before you need a job. So get that profile out there, get it posted, begin to interact, uh, begin to post, etc. And you will find great connections that you can make there. And then when you get fired from that job or when your company merges with another company and they have to downsize, you'll be ready because you have a profile out there. You're active already on LinkedIn. But if you wait, you know, until, you know, you need a job to go out and start doing those sorts of networking, then you're at a deficit. Because that job you're in right now, you're going to leave that job sooner or later through some kind of way. Yeah. So, David, of course, one pet peeve on LinkedIn, you know, you always connect with people on LinkedIn and it happens once in a while. Like within a minute, someone said you this 10,000 word essay uh, while you have to buy that stuff or you'll fail as a human being. Right. But that's, you know, pretty far between, fortunately. Right. Right. That's that's the rarity. You do get lots of requests to connect from India and other places around the globe. At least I do with everybody's got a great IT solution that's going to revolutionize my business. But, you know, you just click and say, ignore. And, you know, I don't know this person, et cetera. And so they're easy to quickly go through there. You know, the harder ones, the, the edge cases on who to accept or not accept is you got to go in, you looked at their profile carefully and then understand who has recommended them, who has clicked on, I endorse this person, et cetera. So that's, that's really important. Sometimes I'll get a request for someone and they'll say they have 500 plus LinkedIn connections. Well, that's great. But then I kind of probe down a little bit further into their profile and I begin to understand they've never been endorsed by anybody, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so you can pretty much decide, hey, I'm going to ignore this uh, connection request because I like to see people that have been endorsed or recommended actively on LinkedIn. One thing I like about LinkedIn too is like just we said, like just, just get started on LinkedIn, just ask for help. I've seen so many times when somebody says, hey, I just got laid off. I don't know what I'm doing or just, you know, and you literally like within uh, minutes, hundreds of people wanting to help, you know. No, I've hired uh, significant people using social media. My chief financial officer at Fusion IO came from a Facebook connection that I, I, I made. I just posted something looking for public company CFO. You know, I posted on Facebook and an old friend of mine who had been at Morgan Stanley years earlier came back and said, hey, you should be talking to Dennis Wolf. And Dennis was a Silicon Valley publicly uh, traded CFO kind of guy. And I connected with Dennis on uh, Facebook and lo and behold, I hired him and he was a fantastic chief financial officer for me. And I've done that numerous times on LinkedIn. David, can you talk about your role as an advisor to the Women Technology Council of Utah and why you serve in this role is important to you? 
God bless those women. You know, I, I absolutely love Sydney Tetro and Sarah Davis and, and the people that founded that. Again, going back to what I said earlier, they actually did something. They saw a problem out there. Sydney Tetro has been a, a friend for two decades, software programmer, you know, got started out in that area and saw the dearth of women working in tech. And she says, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. And so she formulated a small little group with Sarah and, and Kristen Wright. And here we are, uh, you know, from a standing start, I think it was about 12 years ago, they asked me to be on their advisory board. And I said, sure. And um, gosh, they probably had 25 people at the time. Now there's more than 2000 uh, active members of the Women's Tech Council of Utah. And it's probably one of the best in America. And so I would encourage any women listening to this to join your local tech council, get involved, et cetera. There's still, still far too few women working in, you know, software development, computer sciences, engineering, programming, et cetera. So for this council, are these females looking for jobs? They call us students, which was like a demographic. Oh, their, their demographic of their membership is, you know, uh, uh, ladies six or 18 to, to whatever. And, uh, but people that are working in a technology related field, et cetera, or people that want to work in a technology related field. And so they also have a huge out, outreach to the junior highs and high schools in the state of Utah. I went to an event uh, where I presented, gosh, it was last spring and there were, I gave like four different um, uh, speeches on tech and women and so forth to little subgroups. And I addressed 120 uh, young ladies uh, in that age group. And so they, they do an outreach to those young women so that, that the pro here's what happens. At the end of high school, Half of the women and half men are in kind of engineering and sciences. But by the time they graduate from college, it's 80 to 20 male versus female. What happens in those ensuing four or five years in college that gets women kind of moving out of tech, et cetera? And so that's one of the early issues that need to be uh, attacked. And that's why they're going after these young ladies to tell them of the benefits. David, I also remember reading a stat, and I don't know if it's true, but I'm pretty sure it is, where it said, like, in elementary school, like 80% of females are interested in STEM in elementary school. But that number drops like 80 down like 25% by the time they go to high school. So, like, there's a big drop from elementary to, so what's happening in junior high? You know, is it societal pressures? I mean, what is it and how do we fix that? Yeah, no, I, I wrote an article two or three years ago on this topic. You can find it at davidbradford.com. And I came up with uh, six reasons. But you've got to get to those young ladies early on and encourage them. I've got 10 granddaughters and I'm constantly encouraging them. I, I don't care if you want to study English or accounting or whatever in college, but you've got to minor or do something in the tech space. David, from your point of view, what's the key to have a, having a successful company? Well, uh, there are three or four elements for sure to having a successful company. One, perseverance. I would say first and foremost, you will get discouraged. You will have bumps in the road. There will be days when you think that no one is ever going to want your product. 
you've got to persevere and get through those times. The second thing is people. I'm fond of saying that 60%, of the success of any company is based on its people. It's not based on its technology. It's not based on its product or its service. It's based on its people. Because you can have any product. You can have a C product, but if you have an A management team, that thing will succeed. The inverse, though, if you have a C management team and an A product, I'm sorry, it's never going to succeed. It's people that create relationships. Now, I'm fond of saying that every business transaction has its basis in a personal relationship. So you've got to surround yourself in your company with great people. And the last thing that I would say, the third element, perseverance, people, but you need capital. Honestly, you know, you got to make money. You got to have money to make money as the, the phrase goes. And uh, in order to do the marketing and the sales and, you know, the, the product development that you want to do and the innovations, you got to have capital at some point. And so uh, look early and often uh, for capital sources. So, David, a lot of tech people, they're great at building products, but not so great at people skills. Uh, how do we train up these tech people? Like, you know, maybe get better people skills. Is it just something they don't have and they can't earn, learn or how, how do you advise these people? You know, th- this goes to a point about networking. I, I wrote a book some years ago called Up Your Game, Six Timeless Principles for Networking Your Way to the Top. And I, I, I constantly give speeches on this. And as I do that, oftentimes the number one question is, hey, I'm a nerd. I sit in the corner. I don't know how to connect. You know, you, you have all these big flowery things about how you want me to go out and network, network, network. And yet I just don't have that skill set. It's not built in me. I said, I, my typical response to them is, have you ever asked anyone a question? And they pause and, well, of course. I says, the skill of learning how to network and to create relationships is the simple ability to ask questions, to be curious. You're doing that now, Jason, and you do a great job at it. It's a natural thing for anybody to be curious about other people. And so I call it the C word, be curious. Simply ask questions, and that's how you start to form relationships. And at first, hey, they're going to be surface questions. They're going to be, hey, uh, where did you grow up? What high school did you go to? What university did you attend? You know, what do you like to do for your hobbies, et cetera, et cetera. And so you start on a surface level. And as you do that, they begin to reciprocate and they begin to ask you questions. You know, what is your background? You know, what is your passion in life, et cetera, et cetera. As you interact, then you find areas of commonality. As areas of mutual interest are found, then trust is formed. And when trust forms, everything in the relationship accelerates. So I would say, though, it starts by asking questions and being curious about your fellow man. David, when we talk a little bit about fundraising, when should a company start fundraising and how do they go about the process? Like some, it's like someone has an idea that has an attraction, but they have no, no investors. So maybe they're not in Silicon Valley or Utah. Maybe they will say they're in, you know, I don't know, Little Rock, Arkansas. 
Right. I mean, because fundraising is a challenge, you know, it's a full-time job. You already have a full-time job as an entrepreneur. It's, it's a lot of balance, right? And how do you make those decisions? One of the things that I like to do is to form an advisory board early on, especially if you're in Little Rock, Arkansas, right? Or Omaha, Nebraska, or, you know, not a tech center, et cetera. Uh, you need to surround yourself with knowledgeable people. And one way to connect with them is via LinkedIn, you know? And so, but you, you've got to surround yourself with really smart people that can advise you on where you might find capital. The, the secret of finding capital is connecting dots together. You know, in my language learning area, for example, Fluent Worlds, we're doing massive social good around the globe with Fluent Worlds. As people learn English, they can accelerate their lifetime earn, earnings by 10x. That does a massive amount of social good. And so I'm trying to find social impact investors uh, that love that messaging, but also want to find a profitable revenue model. And so I try to connect those dots together. For someone else, it might be that high net worth uh, individual that has a passion for what you're doing. Maybe you're in the carpet line business. Well, go find the guy that founded the largest carpet you know, cleaning company in the world and ask him to be on your advisory board. Surround yourself with strategic advisors that can help you and help you raise capital. David, earlier you talked about perseverance of startup founders. You know, everyone knows they got to keep at it, persevere, persevere. But what is there a time that comes that like, you just say, you know what, I've been doing this for X amount of years. I'm not meeting any of my goals. I need to do something different. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, and uh, you know, not every startup succeeds, you know. Maybe it's the wrong people that you have on your team. Maybe you haven't been able to find capital. Maybe um, the, the uh, marketplace isn't feeling the same pain that you see. I, I talk about pain points a lot as I give speeches because, you know, unless someone is feeling enough pain in their business or their personal life, they're not going to get out their checkbook and write you a check for whatever your product or service is. And so, Find those pain points that people are experiencing enough pain to where they'll write you a check to help to buy your product or service to improve their life. Um, if, if that is not resonating, if people are not writing you checks and you can't see in a foreseeable future how they will, well, you've got to change your product or you've got to change your revenue model or you've got to go into another business. because got to find people that are experiencing pain that are willing to write you a check to solve their pain. Also, it's amazing to me how many people start a business without validating their idea. They just, oh, they might, of course, they might ask your mom or dad or parents or best friend, is this a good idea? Would you buy it? Of course, they're going to say yes. And they invest all this time of money. And, and before you know it, they're like, you know, what's going, what's going wrong? You know, they, but they didn't validate their idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the pain point is to validate that idea. Hey, I know you like my product, but would you pay money for it? You know, and uh, there's a great uh, survey software company called Qualtrics, um, which is based in Utah, by the way. And they just sold to SAP for $8 billion in cash, $8 billion. Anyway, I use Qualtrics a lot to validate and test out ideas and so forth. So something, a little tip for you. 
And one thing I learned when I, because I have my own, like I'm trying to do an HR tech company myself. And one thing I learned early on when I validated my idea, if you tell people about your company, your idea, they said, oh, that's a great idea. That really means that they don't care. It's when the people start asking questions, like detailed, tough questions. That's okay. Now, okay, my, they're asking questions now. And some of them I don't have the answer to, right? So maybe right. to me, that lets you know you have something, at least to my point of view. That's really a good point, Jason. I, I've had that discussion a number of times with my wife. We'll, we'll go into a meeting and, you know, uh, why are they pushing back so hard? What, you know, why don't they understand this or that? And, you know, I just say, hey, my experience is the harder the questions, the better the opportunity. And sometimes that's hard for new entrepreneurs to learn or accept, right? They, they oh, well, I have the best company every, every here, unicorns and rainbows. Why they ask all these questions? Not realizing that that's a tough questions because they want to know more about your company, what your plan is. So David, you, you've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Why do you continue to start companies? I, I have another favorite saying that I use. I say, I choose to use my success not as a hammock, but as a springboard. And so, um, I, I, you know, my mom's 96, 96 and a half. And she gets up every morning and she says, David, this is going to be the greatest day of my life. Something great is going to happen to me today. And it's, it's a mental attitude. If you can get out of bed and say something great is going to happen to me today, you know, I just, I, I so admire that attitude. And um, I think that DNA has seeped into my uh, background because I just have an enthusiasm for life. I, I have an enthusiasm for uh, changing uh, the dialogue. You know, for so long in the language learning market, you know, people started out by, you know, putting on a headset and listening to an audio tape. And then it came to an app like Duolingo or Rosetta Stone or um, uh, Busu, Babbel, et cetera. And those are nice apps, but they're all kind of flashcard based. Well, we said, wait a second, why can't we create a virtual immersion method? The first word that anyone talks about when they talk about learning the language is immersion I'm going into the immersion program. My kids are in the Chinese immersion program. Well, not everybody can afford to fly 10,000 miles to America to be immersed. And so that's what we created. We created a virtual experience where people can walk into a grocery store, a restaurant, a hotel, and have interactions and learn the words, phrases, and sentences that they need to utilize in those contexts. Anyway, so that's what keeps me... Uh, rowing my boat and moving forward. We're having a great time. So David, kind of off the subject, but you've been a good point. Like previous generations, when people retired, you know, they got the rocking chair out, you know, play golf. If nowadays it's like people 50, 60, even 70 are starting companies, staying involved, they're traveling. It's like, they're like more engaged. It's just a, I think it says a great change in philosophy now. You know what? Not that money means everything to me because it clearly doesn't. Um, but it, and, and they say that because kind of laughingly, we've spent $7 million building this great next language training platform and certainly has not, you know, monetized quite yet, but we're just in the process. We're in the early stages, but we've spent substantial dollars kind of, uh, kind of changing the language training world and, and we will get there. I'm confident. 
But, uh, you know, people are surprised when I say I've made 90% of the wealth in my life um, after I was 55. Think about that. You know, people go, oh, God, I'm never going to make it, whatever, whatever. I, I tell you. I mean, I did okay, uh, certainly early in my life and early in my career and provided a platform. But yeah, 90% of the wealth came uh, after I was 55. And, you know, regardless of who your football team is or whatever, or, you know, if you like the Cowboys, like Cowboys, to me, you have to admire Jerry Jones, what he's done, right? I mean, he's built Cowboys, Cowboys Stadium. He's involved. I just think like he's like, a, like he's doing these great things, I think, you know. You know, I, I, I have mixed feelings on Jerry. Uh, listen, he's created a valuable asset. I think it's the most valued, highly valued uh, sports franchise in America. Congratulations, Jerry. And even bigger congratulations because they have not won a playoff game in 25 freaking years. And yet they continue to be the buzz. And I, I, I look at that thing and I go, what the heck? You know, that that's a losing proposition. They can't even win a playoff game. You know, look at all the other teams, you know, winning playoff games. And, you know, they never, ever get the press or the pub that Jerry and, and the Cowboys get. So it goes to show you, may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can have a, a C product, but, and succeed because Jerry Jones is kind of a genius. So, I give him credit for creating a, um, at least this, this perception of success, because the truth is they've not really succeeded in the last 25 years. No, no, they have not. No, they have not. Unfortunately, I'm a big Cowboys fan too. It's, it's just killing me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you got to start a bit from scratch. You know, Dak Prescott's a fine quarterback, but he's never going to be an A level. No. Uh, quarterback so no, definitely not uh and then i'd say go get tom brady but now nah, brady's not going to do it at 42 so uh yeah you get you're gonna have to draft some you know deshaun watson or lamar jackson or you know aaron Rodgers or you know someone who and here here's a tip for you go out and get Taysom hill from the new orleans saints did you see what he did yes. last Sunday? I mean, that team couldn't move the freaking ball. You put Taysom in, they run down to score a touchdown. You put Taysom in, they run down to score a touchdown. You know, I, I love Drew Brees, and he's great, but he's getting a little older. Anyway, Taysom's remarkable. So, Dave, you talked about us a little bit about your, your company. What, what's your vision for the company? Well, we want to create the world's next great language training company. That's, you know, flat out what our intent is. I see this company being $100 million in sales in five years and uh, so forth. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Um, and I've got a great team around me. We've got an active team, about 15. And um, would like to raise some capital uh, at some point. You know, I've been able to fund this uh you know, basically my, by myself, along with my wife for the last uh, few years. Uh, but to really accelerate our growth, uh, I need an infusion of capital. So that would be a good thing. Uh, but um, yeah. And David, are you using like AR, VR technologies? For world? Well, I know, really think about it more of um, 
just playing a video game on your smartphone, uh, you know, I can uh, quickly show you here. Your guests, I think, will be excited to uh, see this. And so, uh, I don't know if you can see that. I can on see screen. it. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to Fluent Worlds. And so, I've clicked here. And now, okay. uh, you can choose one of 57 different categories. You can go to a restaurant. So, I'll click on, well, this one's getting a loan. And so now I'm teleporting to a bank and there's a character in the 3D world. And then. Hi, it's nice to see you. And then we have speech recognition built for us by the father of the Amazon Echo. Hi, Lisa. It's wonderful to see you, too. Hi, Lisa. It's wonderful to see you, too. I will help you get a loan today. You can borrow money from the bank. So hope, hopefully, I, I don't want to take up all the time, but I, I did want to show you that. And you, I think you can get the idea that, hey, you're in a bank. You're learning how to get a loan. You're learning the phrases and the sentences in context. So is it safe to say this is a passion project for you? Oh, well, I think you hear from my voice that it is completely, we're completely passionate about it. Uh, but unless there's an underlying revenue stream, you know, passion's only going to get you so far. And so um, the underlying revenue stream is we charge people $10 a month uh, to utilize uh, Fluent Worlds. And uh, if you get uh, a million users at $10 million a month uh, or $10, $10 a month, that's $10 million a month in revenue. And, uh, or, you know, uh, well, I'm screwed up on the math. Uh, now, if you get a million users paying you ten million a month, or paying you ten dollars <laughs> a month, that's ten million in monthly sales or a hundred and twenty million dollar annual revenue company. Do I think we can do it? Absolutely, David. I understand you have something for our listeners today. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I have this great book I mentioned earlier, uh, Up Your Game, uh, Six Timeless Principles for Networking Your Way to the Top. I'm happy to send a copy um, to, um, you know, uh, a, a listener of your choice. Uh, just email me, Jason, and say, hey, I randomly selected John Jones from Little Rock, Arkansas. Here's his email address. Connect with him, and then I'll send him a book. Thank you, David. David, can you share your social media for both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Well, I'm pervasive on LinkedIn. So just look up David Bradford LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Wikipedia, David Bradford Businessman. Uh, you find my website, davidbradford.com. Find me on Facebook, although I'm maxed out on Facebook friends at 5,000. Uh, come, come join our Fluent Worlds groups. Uh, we have a great... Um, Fluent Worlds group now called um, Learn Languages in a Video Game. So look that up. Learn Languages in a Video Game. Uh, click on and join that group. Uh, we just formed that three days ago, and we've got about 600 members so far. And for our listeners, we'll have the links to our social media and his book on our show notes. You can find our show notes at www.cabinetshrblog.com. And be sure to share the Cabinet HR podcast with your friends. David, we're coming to the end of our talk. Can you provide any wisdom or advice on anything you'd like to talk about? Yeah, folks, just do. Just go out. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to trip over your feet. 
you'll fall down, but you're going to get back up and just do, do, do. Hey, remember this. Perfect is the enemy of the good. That's kind of a subtle thing, but think about it. People will analyze things for months, months, months to get it just perfect, to get it just so. The best thing you can do is execute today. I think uh, uh, General MacArthur once said that a plan, how did he say it? A A plan violently executed today is much better than a perfect plan executed a month from today. So go out and do it today. Make mistakes, reiterate, reform yourself, move forward. Jason, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. No, David, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, thanks for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinets HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinets HR. Also check out our weekly live streams at the Cabinets HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasoncabinets at cabinetshr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You've got to pump it, don't you know, pump it. You've got to pump it.